1: All right everybody welcome to the show thank you for joining us episode 732 if you can believe it i doubt it i am your host jesse Dollimore, joined today as i always am by the lovely the talented and the scholarly Brittany page everybody
2: you are now soon to be fully vaccinated because you got your second dose
1: i did which i guess that's true i'm not fully vaccinated i've I've been inoculated, but I'm not it hasn't taken effect. Like what? Two weeks?
2: I think so.
1: I mean, I'm no scientist. Yeah. But I think that's that's how it works.
2: <laughs> Unfortunately, we do not have Dr. Fauci on the line, so we cannot get to him to ask. But um I don't think it's immediate. So I think it's fair to say you have yeah, some I time know. before you're actually fully vaccinated. But you had the same experience I did. We both had the Moderna Vaccine.
1: That is correct.
2: And for me, the the first shot just uh, a wounded arm was all that I had. And I didn't
1: even have that for the first shot.
2: You got you got a little sick though for the first shot. Oh, that's
1: no. I meant like the sore arm. My arm wasn't sore, but like my for certain, I had like joint, like you know the the piano wires in the wrist. You know here. Yeah. Those, you know, whatever these are. I don't, like I said, not a scientist, not a doctor.
2: Piano wires.
1: Yeah, the, 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 the wrist. Anyway, it was very achy.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Where did you... you,
1: Anatomy quiz here?
2: Where did you hear piano wires?
1: I didn't hear it anywhere. Just it reminds me of a piano wire.
2: You came up with that?
1: You... Is it so awesome that there's no way I could have thought of that?
2: Listen, my reaction is not that it's so awesome no one could have come up with that. it
1: sounds like a dumb shit thing my to say. My
2: reaction is just, I never have, like, that's, okay, so that's a thing that you're saying. Um. <laughs> so. Come on, man. So you you got a little sick for the first shot. The second shot completely wiped me out. And you had the same yeah. response.
1: It was, we were going to record on Friday. And, uh. <laughs> No way. Yeah. I mean, I had just the headache alone. There's no way I could have been screaming into a microphone for an hour, hour and a half. No way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It
1: was terrible. But the, I woke up with a fever. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I woke up in the morning to try to get up and do a video. And it was, I was chattering. I had the chills so bad. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at my my Fitbit app. (laughs) Uh, This episode brought to you by Fitbit. Um, No, it's not. And uh, and it showed that I had a fever that night.
2: Yeah, your skin temperature was up.
1: My skin, again, fever. (laughs) Isn't that the same thing? Yeah, but
2: I'm speaking in um, Fitbit speak. Mm. So here's what happened when I felt the symptoms from my second shot, is I went to work and...
1: Wow. That's where we're going to go. Well,
2: no, what happened for me was I um I was at work when I started to feel the symptoms coming on and I remember my eyelids were hurting like it was hurting to keep my eyes open yeah. and my joints were hurting. And I had coworkers who were like, just go home. Like, just leave, just go home. And I'm That's like, not in your DNA. I'm almost through my day. I can't just leave and then I would have to cancel appointments at last minute. And that's gonna inconvenience people. I can't, you know, I can't do that. And so I worked through it, but as yeah. soon as I got home, I passed out on the couch. And I remember you were saying it's almost like you forgot what happened with me with the vaccine. It was, to be fair, like a month ago. So that that's fine. Um what this is not
1: painting me in a good light. But
2: you were like, "Wow, I, I, uh, I don't remember you feeling as bad as I felt when you got the vaccine."
1: I knew we were gonna go here. <laughs> I knew it. Listen, you are uh, a bizarre freak of nature relative to never wanting to. I mean, you are a therapist, so you you have duty to people that you don't want to let down, clients and such. I don't really have that, so I I'm able to. Lay in 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 bed all day long, it, just groaning to myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's what it was, almost yeah. all day long. Yeah, and in, into the next day, we were going to record Saturday, and still didn't have what it took. Yeah, but I am back. And let me say this uh, about it: I I I, I mean, I, we didn't hesitate. Like, oh, are we going to talk about how bad I felt? Because that's not what we do here, but it. It is, I want everybody to know, yeah, it was shitty for a day. Yeah. But in two weeks, I'm not going to have the stress and anxiety. Uh, and I'll tell you this, I mean, of catching the coronavirus, <laughs> but also this, uh, the anxiety that, that uh, me wanting to smash someone in the head with the brick who's not wearing their mask right has also subsided quite a bit.
2: Well, good. When I
1: see the little nose dangling on the top of the mask, or even the asshole randomly who doesn't want to wear a mask yeah, in the post office or wherever, right. I'm less inclined to freak out.
2: Well, I think people are also thinking, oh, that sounds so terrible, these symptoms that you're getting in response from the vaccine. But it's actually a good thing mm-hmm. that you're having such a robust immune response that allows your system to fight off COVID-19. I mean, that's, that's what you that's right. want to have happen. So it's not great when you're going through it, but you that's what you want, Especially,
1: ultimately. Especially when, um, with the mRNA, the way it's explained to me, uh, again, not a scientist, <laughs> more of a dumb guy, but the way it would explain to me is that it's kind of programming your body, setting your body up to figure out how to... Fight the virus off. Hmm. So it, I do feel good that, oh, yeah, it it did some good programming because mm-hmm. I was uh, under the weather.
2: Yes. Yeah. Not a good time. So definitely still go get your vaccine. Uh, same thing with the fears that are going on with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine that has been paused because six people.
1: Six
3: people.
2: Uh, women all under the age of 48 uh, got blood clots after receiving the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And I mean, I've heard people say, listen, I've heard people say I've heard experts say (laughs) that... Randos at
1: the grocery store were saying.
2: Overheard at a coffee shop. I've heard experts say that Part of the reason that they came forward and did the pause is to see, like, are there more than six people? Is there something to this? Will more than six people now come forward and say they also had this issue? And I totally get that. But at the same time, some of my fears surrounding this are that people don't understand. And when I'm saying people here, I'm now referring to the general public. Specificity in my language could be beneficial here uh, when the general public reads these headlines that it's going to create fear yeah. and uh hesitancy which already exists when it comes to vaccines, so it just it seems like the reporting a lot of what I saw was not great when it came to explaining the exact situation with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine,
1: yeah, also I think it 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 helps to put it into context of other. Drugs that people take, for instance, uh, the, the the dangers inherent in taking birth control for women, blood clots is also a thing that happens. It is rare,
2: but, yeah, that's- but it
1: is less rare than the than the Johnson and Johnson blood clots, and still, it's on the market. They're pumping that shit into you guys constantly. And it's not getting taken off the market. There's no pause in getting birth control out. Yeah. So people need to understand it from that perspective, too, that it's so many, six people out of the millions, and they haven't even determined whether or not it is caused by the vaccine. It very well could just be it was their time to have a blood clot, as shitty as that sounds. Mm-hmm. It could be that kind of a thing.
2: I also heard something on a podcast that... that
1: Were, were they people? <laughs> Were people saying it?
2: Yes. Yes. And uh, I really liked the way that this guy phrased it. And I wish I knew what he was or who he was so I could give him credit. But they were talking about the flu vaccine and how you hear every year people say, yeah, I got the flu vaccine, but I still got the flu. As though that says something about the flu vaccine not being beneficial for other people to get. That's right. Right. And, but you don't hear people sitting around talking about how they got the flu vaccine, but then didn't get the flu that year.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, um, listener Marcus from North Carolina has really driven this into my brain that getting a, a vaccine or some kind of inoculation or a flu shot or whatever isn't always necessarily about you, about mm-hmm. me, about us personally. Right it serves a larger, greater purpose of protecting those who are immunocompromised or at at greater risk of actually dying from the seasonal flu. Right. Well, it's... So thanks, Marcus. Thanks, buddy.
2: Well, it's the same... How
1: dare you, sir?
2: I thought you were going to play Hello, Marcus. I don't have it on the board. Oh, okay. So that's... I'm terrible at what I do. Do you have, bitch, that's a mistake? Because it seems like that would be fitting here as well. Uh,
1: I don't think I have that one
2: Okay. Well, that is a mistake. So, What uh, the
1: fuck we need.
2: <laughs> this is also the thing with uh, Americans, though, that you're seeing, is the, the frustration over the masks. And like, when can we take off the masks? When can we stop wearing oh, the masks? Yeah. We're going
1: to play Jim Jordan talking to Fauci in committee a little later. Same kind of situation.
2: Right. But masks should really be something that we actually continue to wear during things like the next flu season, for example. Or
1: if you're sick at all.
2: Right. If you're sick at all, if you have a cold, if you have the flu, I mean, stay home. But if you are forced to go out for some reason to the grocery store, whatever it might be.
1: Pharmacy to pick up medicine, whatever.
2: Just, we should, it should be normal to wear a mask.
1: Cover your mug in a mask. I I was talking to, by talking to, I was tweeting with someone uh, this week and they were saying something about going back to normal. And I said that, Uh, I'll never fly again without wearing a mask Mm -hmm. sick or not pandemic Mm -hmm. or not I'm not flying in a airborne test tube of pestilence uh, without a mask on my goddamn face no chance.
2: Well, and I don't know if you've heard the numbers about how many people were hospitalized with the flu between October 1st and January 30th. Only 155 people in the United States were hospitalized with the flu during that period. That's a 98% decrease from the same window of time in 2019 to 2020 flu season. That
1: should be a wake-up call for everybody speaking to the anti-mask morons across the country that the efficacy... Of wearing masks has been realized because there wasn't a flu season this year, dumbasses.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Ooh, you're gonna die because of the carbon dioxide you're breathing in your mouth. You're not even to breathe. What's the what's the Link, freedom uh, freedom to breathe agency or whatever that got busted for using the Department of Justice emblem on their bullshit? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Wear a mask, bro. Wear a mask.
2: Well, and it's it's really not that much of an inconvenience, but it goes back to what you were talking about with like consideration for other people. Yeah. It's just about taking care of other people as well. For sure. And not spreading viruses that could be deadly to other people. You may be fine if you get the flu. You may not be hospitalized, but in the 2019 to 2020 flu season... Eight thousand six hundred and thirty-three people were hospitalized. Yeah. So it's very serious for many people.
1: And and vaccines is also and we've talked about it many times on the show, but it, it's one of those. Th- it's it's a. It's become very politicized this year because of of the pandemic, but you also have your left wing dipshits who are you know your 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 rich Marin County whatever, up in Northern California who there's measles outbreaks in their schools, their rich, ritzy private schools, because these assholes won't get their kids vaccinated.
2: Like Kristen, I've read too many books, Cavallari.
1: (laughs) I wish I had that drop. That was from the first week of the show, Mm -hmm. seven years ago.
2: Yeah. Yes,
1: those type of people.
2: I have a really great memory. (laughs) I remember everything we've ever talked about on the show.
1: Do you remember the phone number of the show? Because that is where we're headed next is listener communication.
2: It's 657-464-7609.
1: You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Let's get into some of these voicemails. I don't believe we have emails to read this week, but we do have three voicemails. One of the, one of the, the clear downsides with coming back into a normal state of being in America is the resurgence of police shootings. The resurgence of um, mass shootings. We're, we're, we're starting, people are, are out in public more, which means cops are at it again, continuing the murderous rampage on unarmed citizens, mostly individuals of color, but also mass shootings. Um, and that's what our first call is about. Hey
0: guys, it's Jen. Jen. Um, I just heard of the Adam Toledo case, the case of a 13 year old boy who had his hands up and complying with police getting shot and killed. That coupled with the Dante Wright murder, the Derek Chauvin case that just brings everything about last year back to front, back to the front of my mind. it just I understand that you're doing and you know what I'm looking forward to thing after the pandemic is done and that's beautiful it is however there there's nothing to look forward to like it's not for me not for minorities, not for black people, because the moment the world opens back up again, we're just going to have more Dante Wrights, more George Floyds, Tamar Rices, Elijah McClain's. Even during COVID, we had Breonna Taylor's. What is there to look forward to? I I want to be happy and peppy and, you know, be optimistic, but I'm sorry. At this point, optimism is for white people. Unless something changes, that's what it is. Don't tell me, oh, look on the bright side. What bright side am I looking for? When literally every day, every day before I leave my home, I hug my husband tightly, and practically beg him to come back home to me. Why do I have to do that? I have nothing to look forward to. I don't. Until something changes.
1: Well, I'm clearly, I think I speak for Brittany here too, we are not the individuals that are going to change your mind about it. We're not even going to try. We're not going to attempt to. We're also not going to try to, to, to tell you we, we get it. We understand. We don't live your life. But if I'm given any advice because I want you to feel good, Jen, I don't want you to be hopeless. And the emotions that you just express are bereft of hope. I would say that if there's any bright side whatsoever, it's the fact that you still exist. And because you exist, you're able to mobilize, you're able to stay active, putting pressure on your particular municipality and from a federal standpoint to change the system. The fact that Derek Chauvin is actually on trial. Is a huge thing. And if everyone who went out there. And protested. And even burned a police precinct. If they had been. What's the use? There is no hope. Of anything ever changing. I don't believe Derek Chauvin would be on trial. Right now. I believe it would have been business as usual killing a black man unarmed kneeling on his goddamn neck for nearly 10 minutes filmed or not I believe Derek Chauvin would have gotten away with it and it was only because of the uprising that took place this last summer that he is going to face consequences so listen I'm not discounting the depression or the, the hopelessness that you might feel right now at all. But if you, if you can find a way to have that be a catalyst for anger and fury and righteous indignation and, um, have it manifest into action. That's all. Maybe you're not even looking for, for advice, but uh, that's it. And it's not really even a bright side. It is a bummer. It's, it's terrible.
2: Well, and I think, I know thousands are expected to uh, march demanding justice for 13-year-old Adam Toledo. So this is, this is another instance where people are taking to the streets and um, demanding demanding justice and i think that that speaks to even if people are in a state where they just cannot believe that this is continuing they're so angry um enraged disgusted i mean whatever you want to say um that they're continuing to get out into the street because they they want this to change and i think a part of that maybe is they believe it can change as well and i'm saying that For everyone that is deciding to do whatever type of activism in their life that is motivated out of a belief that things can be different. And, you know, Jen spoke about not being able to just kind of like put on a happy face and like tell yourself everything's going to be okay, And I don't think there's utility to doing that. You know, I I don't think that...
1: Faking it till you make it kind of a thing. Yeah. Especially related to this. No way.
2: No, I mean, you definitely want to be realistic, but I think there's also something to what you need to do to survive, right? And I'm, I'm not trying to give Jen advice. I'm mainly kind of speaking from, like, my own experience, and I think everyone has had moments in their life where they've wanted to give up or felt like maybe they couldn't continue. And in those moments... It's not about like putting a happy face on and and pretending that the reality isn't happening, but it's trying to find ways to still move forward and and believe that things can be different, you know, not necessarily about fooling yourself, because I mean, and we have felt this through the years of doing the show where sometimes sitting down to talk about these stories. I mean, it it can feel like that where it's just like, what are we doing here? Are we going to even be able to say anything positive? Or are we going to do a show where the listeners are going to turn it off and be like, <laughs> "What's the, for sure? What's the point? Like, what are we doing?" I mean, the the United States having fifty mass shootings since the Atlanta spa shootings. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. there's many times where we've done a show and just been like, "It's only going to be negative stuff that we're talking about." And how do we move forward in the face of that? Yeah. So. I think that's a question we've all grappled with, and it's it's very difficult for Jen. It's very different what she is experiencing. I'm not trying to say that. Oh, we get it because we've done oh, shows you, about difficult. I, yeah, news. I don't think
1: that's what you were communicating. Um,
2: and I can't imagine every morning having that fear, saying goodbye to her husband, and yeah. um, being afraid that that he's not going to come home. I mean. It's terrible, and I don't think we have answers for how you know what I mean. Like when you said I'm I'm gonna give some advice, I'm like I don't know. You're to me, I didn't really hear you giving advice. More just like reflecting on the issue. But there's really nothing that can be said.
1: Listen, I'm <clears throat> I'm white, and I'm beside myself about the fact that police violence against unarmed black men in this country. Is a goddamn public health crisis. And certain people on the other side of the aisle politically don't give a shit. They, they, I mean, they don't care about things that are traditionally looked at as public health crises. So why do, would they care about this? But we are on the precipice, I believe, and maybe it's just my unmatched positivity, optimism, But I really believe we're on the precipice of some real change here, especially if we can mobilize and put pressure on uh, Democrats, namely the president of the United States, to get some shit done, to put some guardrails in place relative to public policy that will keep cops from doing the things that they've done for generations, which is oppress, which is kill which is abuse their power and authority over the citizenry armed agents of the States state being able to do whatever they want with impunity. It needs to change. It must change. And, uh, I hope you're pissed off more than you're sad. Be sad. Yeah, but be angry as well. Thanks for the call. As always, Jen, we love you. We appreciate you. And, uh, we hope it gets better for you. All right. Next up, uh, about the Derek Chauvin trial, Josh Wisconsin.
4: Hey, Jesse and Brittany. It's Josh from Wisconsin. Just wanted to call and touch in on some of the news going on, some of the unfortunate news. Um, on positive note, I did get my second dose of my Pfizer vaccine just about an hour ago. So nice. there's some good news on that front, but I kind of want to mention that what everybody's talking about with the trial going on for Derek Shelvin and the prosecution and defense have both rested at this point. I'm really hoping that in at least in my opinion, the defense just gave the prosecution everything they needed to finish prosecuting, but just takes one asshole to be a hung jury and let this guy off the hook and I'm honestly fearing that we're gonna see him walk because one asshole decides to not convict him so I'm I pray I'm wrong hoping I'm wrong but on a side note the country is just going to hell in a handbasket when it comes to policing African Americans we've seen just in this last week uh army lieutenants uh told over at gunpoint in Mace for no re for bullshit reason that they said that his tag was not properly displayed which we knew was bullshit we had the case out in uh, Minnesota where the man was killed at quote unquote accidentally with a handgun, where the cop said she was a taser. But I'm sorry, if you if you're a 25 plus year police veteran, how the fuck do you mistake your gun for your taser? This is bullshit, and everybody fucking knows it, except for the bootlifters. And now we're getting the dashcam footage of the 13 year old in Chicago gunned down, not even a full second after he was told to put his hands up. You see him with his hands up, and he's gunned the fuck down! I mean, I'm not even black, and this is pissing me the fuck off. This is cutting me deep. This hurts. What the fuck do we do? How do we fix this problem? Especially when a good chunk of our country doesn't think we have a problem. They keep blaming the people that are shot. I mentioned in the, uh, in one of the comments on one of the post pages that my son is half black he's biracial and just a few years older than this young man was i'm terrified of what happens if he makes a mistake that some well i'm i can't imagine how upset and angry people are anyway trying to keep it under the three minute limit uh keep up the great work hopefully we can get this problem resolved on behalf of our african-american friends love you guys you guys are both the best part talk to you soon
1: there's a lot of support out there for our 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 brothers and sisters who don't look like us listen we've 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 um, screamed and yelled on this show for seven years about this issue We've shed tears. we have uh really gone through this stuff with our audience and again, I just feel like we're on the we're on the verge of actually having something change here because with every one of these things that happened, when children are killed by police, when following the orders of the murderous cops. People start waking up more and more. And it's not just this blanket, oh, the cops, they must have been doing the right thing anymore. People are starting to see that there isn't um, a bad apple problem. That I think people are starting to see and believe, like I do, Mm -hmm. that it's more bad apples than good apples. Because if the good apples outweighed the bad ones, we wouldn't have this goddamn problem. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's the rage and anger that you hear from Josh as well as the despondency that you hear from Jen that is a catalyst for change. And we finally have someone in the White House who appears to be willing to to make a mark and have his legacy be making some pretty big changes. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk later about how he's changing his his um, policy decisions and his direction on immigration because of the pressure from progressives. And listen, the your le- the lefties out in the audience who don't like Joe Biden, this should give you pause that he is listening, Joe Biden is, and willing to make um, sacrifices to what he believes the way it should be because uh, it's not going to fly anymore.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Anyway. Well, and I, I wanna thank Josh for his voicemail because uh you can hear the passion in his voice and when I was talking about the thousands of people that are gonna be taking to the streets, I mean this is that's what I was talking about. The the passion, people um engaging in advocacy, using that anger to push people in their lives as well to understand what's happening here. And like Josh said, there's always going to be people who are more sympathetic to the police, who are more supportive of the police, regardless, even if police behave badly. You know, I was, when, when I heard that they were using the um, accident excuse saying that she, the woman who, who killed Dante Wright, that she had mistaken her, gun for a taser
6: yeah and Come
2: on, man. um she she was a cop for 26 years she
1: she's like a head of the police union i mean she's she's ensconced in the it's not she's a rookie yeah she knows yeah she's packed a gun for a, many 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 years decades
2: right and so her name, Kim- Kimberly Potter, she um has been arrested. She's been charged. But this, th- when they said it, it was almost like, oh, well, it was an accident. And Come on, it, it made me think about, you know, every month this magazine gets sent out from the California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists. And it in the back of the magazine, they give the name and license number of all these therapists that have... Committed acts of misconduct and have uh, subsequently lost their license to practice. That has been taken from them for however much time. Most of those therapists in the back of that magazine have lost their license because. Would you like to guess what they've done? Uh, Are most of them having sex with their clients? You think
1: that was going to be what I said? I Are don't most know. of them
2: breaking confidentiality? You think? No, most of them have DUIs. And listen, I'm not saying and they lose
1: their license.
2: Yeah, I'm not saying that it's not serious to get a DUI. It's very serious. You're putting people's lives at risk. You are endangering the public. For For sure, sure, that's very, very serious. But it just seems like that consequence is pretty swift.
1: Your livelihood's taken away.
2: Right. When a cop is like, you kill someone, and then you're like, oh, it was an accident. I thought that that was a taser. Okay, well, you can't be a cop anymore. That's right. That should be the response. Exactly. That's very serious. I mean, if you're a therapist, you get a DUI, you get your license taken. If you're a cop, you accidentally kill someone, like you <laughs> should not be a cop. Yeah. I mean,
1: well, listen, th- we've talked about this before that there are there are certain there are certain occupations where there is so much public trust invested in you, like a pilot, for instance. Certain people who have Certain conditions don't get to be pilots because it puts everybody's life at risk that they're flying. Same thing with a cop. We need to hold cops to a higher standard than we hold somebody making sandwiches at Subway. Mm-hmm. Or someone working at the grocery store. Or someone who doesn't have the the lives, doesn't have authority over anybody either. I mean, that that's... That's where this comes in. Yeah. And I don't want to get all Spider Man y, but, you know, the with great power comes great responsibility or whatever the, you know what I mean? Well, I don't know what I mean, but
2: um, mostly because I'm not a nerd, but um,
1: (laughs) seriously, though.
2: Well, no, I would like to say. You get to carry
1: a gun, you get the power of arrest over your your fellow citizens, you got to straighten up a fly right or get the fuck out of here.
2: For sure. Although I don't like how you are minimizing the responsibility that people who work at Subway have. Have you seen the tuna salad? you got to make sure that you're throwing that away. Who's
1: eating tuna salad at a Subway? you got
2: to make sure that you're throwing that away if that's expired. If it's been out all day, do not serve that to people. That could endanger.
1: Listen, people need to take responsibility for their own choices. If you're eating Subway, tuna sandwiches at Subway... That's a tight wire act. I don't think anybody needs to be doing. I mean, that's seriously that's threading the needle on, <laughs> on between two between two skyscrapers and trying to walk across them. That, that's uh, that's daredevil shit right there.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, don't malign subway because sometimes that's all people have for lunch. Okay, depending uh, on where they live.
1: There's always hunger.
2: Instead of Subway.
1: There's always the choice of going hungry.
2: All right. So this show not sponsored by Subway.
1: No. In fact, Subway, if you're out (laughs) there and you're looking to sponsor a program, keep moving along. This isn't the show for you, bro.
2: Okay. All right.
1: Anyway. (laughs) Good
2: message for Subway.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Josh, for the call. Uh, We appreciate you very much. Uh, Moving on. Last call
7: hey guys this is ken from north carolina um not really sure why i'm calling today um maybe just to talk about the importance of having a support group um we're all going through a tremendous thing with this pandemic and all the political craziness and shootings and just uh the, the things have been a nightmare and um I didn't realize myself uh, how much I was uh, struggling. Um, I'm in recovery, uh, um, recovering alcoholic, for about 15 years now. And uh, when the pandemic started, um, I-, I couldn't get to a meeting, an AA meeting. I uh, I left my job because I wasn't going to die for uh, minimum wage the pizza delivery job and just been isolating. Um, I have a disability that's gotten worse because of my inactivity. And, um, the, the topper of it all was last night, uh, my cat of, of, um, 12 years passed away. And it just, it, it, it I'm, I don't know. I'm calling because I know you guys are pet lovers and, you know um how painful a a loss of a pet can be and it woke me up today um it's just so important to have uh like-minded people around you and the main reason I'm calling is because today i had to she passed away last night at the vet and uh today i spent the day um cleaning the house uh getting rid of her stuff um because she was she was very sick and you know throw up and everything but it, it was such a hard day but what got me through it was i had your podcast on all day and and it saved me it saved me so you guys please keep up the good work you do more than than you know um let's all stick together and you know give pieces of shit like uh Matt Gates and Jim Jordan hell and not ever forget the, the the price of of what their actions have cost us. So we stick together and 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 give the other side hell. Uh, good luck, guys. Love you. Our pets are the best part.
1: Bye bye. Wow, <clears throat> got me. Um, <laughs> Brittany and I. <laughs> Um, we, we make fun of ourselves a lot because, you know, we, we adopted our dog a couple of years ago, Popeye, the snoring lump of dog in the corner, our bulldog. And there are some nights where we, we just, we look at him and we know he's not going to be with us forever. So I'll just. I want to continue to do the show, so we're not going to continue to talk about it, but um, we get it. Uh, we feel terrible for you. That's uh, Losing a pet is, is absolutely l- like losing a member of the family, and in fact, I think in some ways if you're estranged from your family, like uh, Brittany and I largely are, um, <laughs> it's worse. So, uh, Ken, hang in there, lean on Whatever support network you do have, we're, we are honored to have been part of this journey with you. Um, it's, I can't, uh, can't imagine it. I mean, I can imagine it because we, it's a, it's a part of our process. We're thinking about it now. So when it happens, hopefully it's, it's not quite as shocking. Um, but the pandemic has been a fucker in a lot of ways. And removing a support network, especially if you're in recovery, uh, I can't imagine was an easy thing. And uh, I hope that you've uh, you fared well, Ken.
2: Well, I appreciate you talking first because that gave me some time to um, Get your shit together. <laughs> recover a little bit, for sure. Um, because we, we didn't listen to this voicemail before. We listened to the first part and we were like, okay, we're going to yeah. play that because we liked the theme of just what we heard in the beginning. And then... Um, we didn't so <laughs> I did not know. Um, thank you for your very kind words, Ken. We very much appreciate that. And um I'm sorry to hear about your cat. We definitely get it, you know, I we definitely get it in terms of the love of the dog, like Jesse was just saying. Like Ken said, we're we're pet people and I wasn't always a pet person. We just drove by two dogs a few hours ago and I was just like, I love dogs and like that's not something that That's not something I would have said if you would have asked me before we had Popeye. I don't
1: think it's something I've ever heard you say, (laughs) even since we've gotten Popeye, that you just, you're a dog person now.
2: Yeah, and um, I was actually telling someone today that, um, along the the lines of being estranged from family, that that I love my dog more than, like, blood relatives that I'm no longer in contact with. That's really what has happened, and it kind of... Now
1: one, Popeye's not a Nazi. (laughs) <laughs> it's easy it's pretty easy to love
2: we've never heard him talk but be- we can <laughs> guess
1: beautiful yep. beautiful bulldog Popeye yeah you know, your family eh, not so much
2: so but what Ken said about community I think is important to also recognize that it isn't necessarily blood connections then that can create stability or comfort in in times of crisis that a lot of times it's the community of people that you have you've selected to be around you. And yeah, yeah. especially when you're in recovery, you know, it did take a while for uh, self-help recovery programs to get things online when in-person meetings closed and to, to have meetings be on zoom and to coordinate that. I, now it's pretty solid. You can pretty much find a meeting anytime. We got to figure it out yeah um online and hopefully that stays i mean there's some things from the pandemic that i hope stay because making meetings accessible online via zoom so that anyone anywhere can access a meeting at any time that's a lifesaver. Yeah, That's a lifesaver for people. And I really hope that that is something that can continue even when meetings are moved back to in-person again, just to kind of create that community, create a resource for people to be able to reach out for help and and find, like Ken said, like-minded people that share their struggles to be able to log on and just talk about that. And not have to wait or not have to find transportation if you don't have easy access to transportation sure, yeah. or if you're struggling with a disability and you're not able to get somewhere very quickly, you know. Um, so I I love everything that Ken said, and I appreciate that even in the face of of, of the difficult experience that he's going through, that he is reaching out and thinking about what's important and what has helped him get through and then sharing that with our audience I just I really appreciate
1: that absolutely all right um, if you two would like to sound off uh, call the show help us move the conversation forward six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine of course you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I it at dot com moving on I doubt it is an
8: independent podcast supported by listeners like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you find the show informative, entertaining, or both, go to dollamore.com slash Patreon and choose the
1: contribution level that's right for you.
2: We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Brent R.
1: Brent R. Millie B. Millie B.
2: And Morgan L.
1: Morgan L. And then
2: we would like to thank Insane Atheist.
1: Insane Atheist.
2: (laughs) For more than doubling the pledge on Patreon. Very beautiful. Thank you so much. Fantastic. We, you know, out of all the envelopes that we sent when we sent out the stickers, we only got, I think it was, the total was... Three returns? I was going to say fewer than four. I was, I was hoping four. you were going to start saying no... a number and I was going to match what you were saying, but you you didn't do that.
1: Three? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost like the fix is in. Yeah. Like, I, it's so low.
2: Louis DeJoy swept in,
1: yeah. intercepted
2: all of the He's envelopes. personally,
1: personally <laughs> putting a, a monkey wrench into things.
2: He has an I doubt it scrapbook. He's just <laughs> sabotaging us, intercepting all of our mail.
1: I text somebody the other day and uh, something was going on. I, I sent him something, a, a package or whatever. And I said, ah, fuck the way joy. And then no response. And then like 15 minutes later, they said, I have to look up who that was. I didn't know. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they got the joke.
2: Well, we also need to give a shout out to Kelly. Kelly in New England. Oh, yes. Kelly sent us a package.
1: Oh, and, speaking of post office.
2: Yeah, so Kelly sent us a package, and we didn't know what would be in this package. Just we want to get that on the record before we talk about this story. Are you listening,
1: de Joy? <laughs> we we did not know. We did
2: not know. But So anyway, what was in there was some booze. It was rum and... Um, a couple
1: of uh, cups from...
2: Tipsy Elves. Tipsy
1: Elves. That when you get to the bottom of the cup, it says, you have been poisoned.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was... It it was a situation where the the package was broken open, and the post yeah. office had to retape it, and so.
1: Well, what, here's what. So I went to pick it up, and it was they for sure knew there was booze in there because it was a train wreck when I picked up the box. <laughs> now. The, prob- the good thing is, is the lady I picked up the, the, the package from was the same lady from a few months ago where the lady was like, well, I don't know where you're from. What country are you from? And I freaked out and called her racist trash. It was, it was <laughs> that postal worker that I was defending. Oh. So I think she was like, wink, wink, here you go, sir. No problem. Are you serious? Yeah, it was awesome. Okay. So thank you, Kelly. If there was anything else in the box other than the booze and the two cups, like a card or a note, yeah. that wasn't in there. Yeah. So we want to, we're not ignoring some other part of it. It was, it was a fucking shit It was mangled. Show. Yeah, yeah, something yeah.
2: happened to it. But um, they taped it right back up and it got here, whatever was left in the box. Yeah. So um, thank you very much <laughs> for that gift. We we love going to the P.O. box and finding gifts there. Um, and booze
1: is never... A bad time to receive. Although, also, the thing I'm leaving out here is that you're not allowed to ship booze through the Postal Service.
2: Yes. Yeah, so... Th- That's why we're saying we did not know yeah. about this up front. And maybe
1: it wasn't even booze, Louis de DeJoy. You don't know. Maybe we're just doing this for the show.
2: Could be. Could be. Because
1: you know Louis de DeJoy. He's really... He's, he's listening.
2: Yes. He's you know, a
1: regular listener of the show. If he's one of our hate listeners.
2: If you're thinking about sending something to us, to the P.O. Box... Just make sure that you don't send us, like, homemade baked goods.
1: Those will not get eaten. Because
2: we, sometimes we get death threats, and we just, we won't um, be eating the anthrax cookies. And
1: um, I got a death threat this last week, even.
2: Well, now you're on Odyssey, too, which seems to be like a cesspool of it is just madness. All of
1: the ding-dongs who probably got kicked off to YouTube are now on Odyssey. I get called a cuck. Several times a day. <laughs> that just never happens on YouTube I know, anymore. That's not
2: a thing anymore. What it's, are people doing? A lot
1: of libtard talk. A lot of cuck talk.
2: So it's like 2015 over on Odyssey. Absolutely.
1: The yeah. guy told me that he hopes that my family gets killed by, an, uh, murdered by an illegal immigrant, he said, um, for talking lefty talk or whatever. I don't know.
2: Hmm. Was What was his uh, username? Was it something about like Christ loving everyone? I, or
1: I, You think I pay that much attention? I don't. <laughs> I-, I can tell you this. It's anonymous. It wasn't like Terry Jones with like a picture of him and his family. It's always anonymous dipshits who are cowards. Anyway, it is what it is. All right. Moving on. Anyway, Kelly, thank you for the gift. We appreciate it very much. As always. And
2: check out Jesse on Odyssey.
1: <laughs> check me out on Odyssey. Yeah, maybe counter some of the asshole comments <laughs> if you're going to do that. Yeah. Uh, moving on. democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism speaking of right wing dipshits as promised we're going to talk about jim jordan i love on twitter that people call him jim jordan G- gym like gymnasium
2: for the wrestling uh controversy yeah
1: i think that's what it's surrounding mm-hmm. but uh, he so he is in, on a committee and he's he's firing it At Anthony Fauci, thinking that he's really just getting the better. Every one of these assholes who thinks they're going to tangle with uh, Dr. Fauci. And look, we don't think Dr. Fauci is some kind of a saint or hero or infallible at all. But he's done a fairly good job of of standing the line.
2: Yeah, I certainly do not think he's infallible. I was going to... I thought you were going somewhere else with that he's just like
1: deified people like
2: yeah that's weird and that's not necessary and i don't think he even wants that i will say i've consumed a lot of anthony fauci related content <laughs> last week i was talking about how i consumed a lot of hunter biden related content and now <laughs> right, it's right, right. anthony fauci but um <laughs> i i think he's a fascinating person and i think he really he is- works his
1: ass off yeah he told me a schedule and it's
2: Yikes. Yeah, I've kind of come around on that, though, because in the last month, I'm like, I don't know, this like glorification of people who work all the time. I think he needs to take some time off, some self-care. what it
1: should be, we should have a couple, a few different Anthony Fauci's. It shouldn't all fall on his tiny little shoulders.
2: Well, okay. and Also,
1: quit, quit acting like you're some kind of a basketball star, dude. You're, like, two foot tall. There's no way you were some kind of spud web.
2: Does Anthony Fauci act like he was a basketball? Yeah. Yeah. I've I've... never. In all the Anthony Fauci-related content that I've consumed, (laughs) I have not heard this. So where are you getting this from? Uh, He
1: acts like he, like, played in college or something. When? When
2: does he act like that? I haven't seen him. You want a
1: date? You want the... I'll I'll tell you what. I need the
2: exact anecdote. What is he saying The
1: audience will back me up on this. Listen. Ready? Listen. They're backing me up. See, you don't even know.
2: (laughs) That was Popeye snoring. You don't even know. He literally snored when you did that.
9: That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit.
2: Anyway, he's not a deity. He's not infallible, but he is a pretty cool guy. That's all we're saying. So he's a cool guy who's really good at playing basketball. And he went up against Jim Jordan because he appeared before the committee. And Jim Jordan was concerned about when the economy is going to be able to open. And he wanted some exact figures. He wanted an exact date. He wanted some information. Yeah. He wanted some certainty from the deity, Anthony Fauci.
1: Here's Jim Jordan.
2: You're a fucking doctor, bro. Wait, wait.
1: Wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong clip. Same kind of general tone. Uh, wrong clip.
2: My message,
1: uh,
10: Congressman Jordan, is to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as we possibly can. To get the level of infection in this country low that it is no longer a threat, that is when, and I believe when that happens, you will see. What determines when? I'm
8: sorry. What? What measure? What, I mean, are, are we just going to continue this forever, or when does? When does? No. When do we get to the point? What measure? What standard? What objective uh, outcome do we have to reach before before Americans get their liberty and freedoms back?
10: You know, I, you're indicating liberty and freedom. I look at it as a public health measure to prevent people from dying
8: and going to the hospital. You don't think Americans' liberties have been threatened the last year, Dr. Fauci? They've been assaulted. Their liberties have. I don't
10: look at this as a liberty thing, Congressman
8: Jordan. Well, that's I look obvious. At
10: this as a public health thing. But, but, uh, the, I disagree with you, you on that. You think the Constitution
8: completely. is suspended during, a, during a, a, a virus, during a pandemic? It's certainly not. This will end, for
10: sure, when we get the level of infection very low. It is now at such a high level, there's a threat again of major surges. Dr. Fauci,
8: Fauci, over the last year, Americans' First Amendment rights have been completely attacked. Your right to go to church, your right to assemble, your right to petition your government, freedom of the press, freedom of speech have all been assaulted I mean, for a year now. Americans haven't been able to go to church. Even today, when they go to church, they're limited in the size of of, of worshipers who can meet. Your right to assemble? Oh, my goodness. We had a curfew last fall in Ohio. You had to be in your home at 10. In Pennsylvania, you had to be in your home. Uh, When you're in your home, you had to wear a mask. In Vermont, when you're in your home, you didn't have to wear a mask, Dr. Fauci, because you weren't allowed to have people over to your house.
10: Yeah, Congressman Jordan, your ability to
8: petition your government well, for a year for a year, American citizens haven't been able to come to their capital to petition their government to talk to their representatives and freedom of the press. These very pictures that Representative Scalise just showed you and talked about—guess what? The press isn't allowed to in those facilities. The press is not. The Biden administration will not let the press in there, and certainly freedom of speech. I mean, freedom of. The Governor of our third largest state meets with with physicians and that and that's that that video is censored because they dare to- agree, disagree with dr fauci, so I just want to know when do Americans get their first amendment liberties back
10: you know i don't think anything was censured because they felt they couldn't disagree with me I think you're pers- You're making this a personal thing, and it isn't. It's
8: not a personal thing.
10: No, you are. That is exactly what you're
1: doing.
8: No, your recommendations carry a lot away, Dr. Fauci. We just had the the chair of the Financial Services Committee said she loves you, and you're the greatest thing in the world. We'll end
1: it there. First, let me paint a picture. If you're out there and wondering how this appeared to be taking place, he's asking the question, when can we get back to normal, Dr. Fauci? While his stupid fucking Jim Jordan nose is just peering over his mask. He finds it impossible to wear his mask correctly while excoriating Dr. Fauci about when we're going to get back to normal. Hey, dumbass. Maybe when you start wearing your fucking mask right, shit will start going back to normal more quickly. Asshole.
2: You know, I feel sensitive about making that criticism about people who can't have the have the mask falling below the nose because mine is so pointed that it's just there's no mask that's going to fall off of it
1: yeah, it's like a it's like a, a pirate's you know s- saber, <laughs> yeah, it's like a knife sure, your nose yeah, exactly very pointy
2: <laughs> yes, and uh... almost
1: like Lois Griffin on the on the family guy. Not quite as triangular, but certainly as sharp on the end.
2: Yeah. And so I... It really
1: could do some damage. Yeah. (laughs) If you were a fighter. like If you were an MMA fighter, you could just pummel them with your face. Well, I
2: think I wouldn't be be allowed to be an MMA fighter with how sharp the nose is, right? I mean, that's kind of where you're going.
1: Is that thing registered as a deadly weapon? It could
2: be, yeah. I mean,
1: you would go try to take a karate (laughs) class and like, oh, no, sorry, no weapons here. Exactly. So
2: I feel like I can't share your very aggressive criticism of Jim Jordan and his nose falling out because i don't I don't have that that problem. It's so easy for me. it's a non issue It's a non issue for me,
1: yeah, well, Jim Jordan clearly does have the issue yeah listen we're we're over a year into this thing. If you don't know how to wear a mask yet, it's not because of ignorance. it's because of willfulness. You're being a dick face <laughs> at this point
2: so did he i stopped listening, but did he talk about the founding fathers?
1: He was tweeting about it earlier. He was tweeting about it. Well, he tweeted about it. Founding fathers roll over in their graves or some nonsense. Well, he
2: tweeted about it a year ago, over a year ago, actually. Oh um, no, he's
1: been he's been on it again.
2: Oh okay, yeah, just not in that clip.
1: Not in that clip.
2: Okay. Um. So yeah, I mean, with the with the Dr. Fauci thing, he's asking for a specific date, and that's not really something that that he can give. And, right. I mean, we're working with needing to know how many people are getting vaccinated. The vaccination rate is very good so far. Good progress with the vaccinations. Um, but, but
1: still 60,000 infections a day. New infections.
2: Right. It's just it's the sense it's not of not going away. It's the sense of urgency on the part of Republicans for opening everything up, going back to normal, no longer social distancing, no longer wearing masks. But also being the demographic that in every survey that is conducted is the most likely not to get vaccinated. So I'm
1: not good. It's like Democrat, like elderly Democrats. It's like 2% are saying they're not going to get it. And it's like 22% of Republicans.
2: Right. So you don't want to get vaccinated, which is the thing that will then prompt yes. the economy to reopen again and things to go back to normal. Can finally get
1: back in church, Jim Jordan.
2: And you're not willing to do the thing or advocate that people do the thing. I mean, Ivanka got her vaccine, tweeted a photo of her doing it. Brett Baer from Fox News got his vaccine, tweeted a photo of him doing it. And I've seen um, a researcher that I follow retweet these and say, this is great. And I'm like, let's not give them so much credit. Yeah,
1: they're just doing the bare minimum of keeping themselves safe.
2: Yeah, I mean, good that they are posting it and getting pushback for doing it. Because, again. QAnon
1: lost their minds about the Ivanka thing. Yeah. Like saying it's fake, that this half the bot. Th- those people are nuttier than something that's real, real nutty.
2: And so I, I, it just doesn't make sense to me that they are against vaccines when it's the, it's the solution to the problem that Jim Jordan is talking yeah. about. So
1: Also, going back to the not giving Ivanka credit, he, remember that these were the idiots who walked into the debate hall, refused to wear masks as a family. They were asked to wear masks, and they're like, "No, thank you." Those were the assholes. Uh, let's not trip all over ourselves, giving Ivanka a bunch of fucking credit. <laughs> you hear that, everybody? Stop it, right now! Did he wake up?
2: Our audience—they no. were at the forefront of giving Ivanka credit, so I understand why you would be <laughs> yelling at them.
1: No, I'm talking to Louis DeJoy, who's oh, clearly a, a right, hate listener. Right, right, yeah. Uh, he's anyway, scrapbooking
2: while listening to this.
1: We would love to know what you think. Uh, clearly, we have some, a lot of Jim Jordan fans out in the audience. 657-464-7609. <laughs> of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at Dalmore.com. So, uh, Joe Biden is... Approaching
2: is, his 100 days in office. I was
1: going to start at the beginning and say he's now the president of the United States. We just want to always just reinforce that. It's no longer... Uh, Uh, A a dumb fuck, Donald Trump. Anyway, I lost my place. Um, And he is. He's approaching his 100th day. That is a a milestone for presidencies of how much they have accomplished. I don't know why this arbitrary number has been reached, but it is what it is. And um, we got a clip here talking about the things. Yeah, go ahead.
2: What's in store, what he plans to continue to do as he approaches his 100 days.
6: President Joe Biden promised an ambitious agenda for his first 100 days in office. As that deadline approaches, he finds himself governing with thin majorities in Congress while trying to get bipartisan support on issues like infrastructure, immigration reform, refugee caps, and the end of America's 20-year war in Afghanistan. For more, I spoke with special correspondent Jeff Greenfield, who joined us from Santa Barbara. So, Jeff, Joe Biden is not a shrinking violet. I mean, these requests for $2 trillion for infrastructure, $2 trillion for COVID relief. These are huge asks, and he doesn't have a
3: bulletproof majority in Congress. Indeed, he has a paper-thin majority in Congress, and that's what makes this so startling. You think of major social programs. They were initiated by presidents who had won landslide victories, FDR in 1932, lbj in 1964 but i think there are a couple of explanations for this first the biden people are very aware that uh, obama may have asked for too little in 2009 which did not prevent a slow weak, politically damaging recovery so they're asking for a lot second the infrastructure plan is very popular according to the public opinion polls among even republicans and really interestingly when people learn that biden wants to pay for it with tax increases on corporations The support goes up. The third thing is the Democratic Party, as we know, has moved substantially to the left. So there's pressure on Biden to be big. And last, and I think we have to remember this especially, the Biden people know that history says they're going to lose those majorities in Congress in the midterms. And if they want to get big stuff done, they've got to do it in these first two years.
6: Big stuff, including withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan. This is something that Donald Trump also wanted. Now Joe Biden says that he would like them out before the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Is this a, a, a political change?
3: I think it's a broad political change. You might have expected in other eras for the Republicans to come down very hard on a Democrat looking to fold our tents and pull out. But Donald Trump, he ran on an America first, more or less isolationist plan. He talked about ending forever wars. And his plan was to get troops out by May 1st. So, to some extent, Republicans are boxed in. But more important, Biden's always been a skeptic about Afghanistan. When he was vice president, he was telling Obama, don't let the generals jam you. And that skepticism, to be blunt, has been very amply rewarded. The whole idea of, all right, we're going to implant there a, a stable governing democracy just isn't happening. Uh, You know, you had uh, Secretary of State uh, Blinken today saying, well, Al Qaeda has been uh, degraded. They're not a threat anymore. But that was true a couple of months after the 2001 invasion. The hubris of a Western country saying, we are going to impose our version of a strong government on a culture utterly alien to that whole idea. And so I think that kind of humility of which George W. Bush talked about in his campaign and then didn't practice. Both parties, I think, have gotten a substantial dose of humility from that $2 trillion expenditure in Afghanistan over 20 years. You
6: know, what happens to some of the Afghans that were working with U.S. troops and others who are trying to claim asylum and refugee status in the United States? The the refugee status kind of came back in the news this week, and it was um, it was Biden making a statement, then getting a lot of pushback from his own party, and then pivoting.
3: It's very important to remember that the refugee controversy is not about the surge of unaccompanied minors to the border, uh, at least not formally. These are refugees who have already been cleared for entry into the United States. And what Donald Trump did was to put the quota on on their admissions to a historic low. And Biden had promised in the campaign to quadruple that quota from 15 to 60,000. What I do think it's pretty clear is that the crisis at the border and the White House is finally calling it a crisis with all those unaccompanied minors uh, made them very wary of yet another program to bring more people in. But as you say, the pushback was enormous and the number two Democratic in the Senate, Dick Durbin, was very critical of Biden. And that's why I think this morning, uh, Jake Sullivan, Biden's national security adviser, went on TV to say, no, we're going to raise the quota. But what it does point to, uh, go back to our earlier conversation, is that to the Democratic Party, the progressive base, is fully prepared to hold Biden's feet to the fire when they think he is turning his back on what he appears to have promised them.
6: Jeff Greenfield joining us from Santa Barbara today. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me.
2: And that is exactly what happened. And if you exist on Twitter. You watched this happen in real time. If you are a normal person and you do not exist on Twitter,
10: (laughs) God bless you,
2: then you did not see it. Uh, But Biden notified Congress in February that he had planned to increase the number of refugees allowed to enter the country from 15,000 to 62,500. And that would have been in the fiscal year ending September 30th, upping it to 125,000 for the following year. But he never signed a presidential determination that would actually raise the cap, which meant that he was keeping the cap at Trump era levels. Yeah,
1: not great.
2: And people might say, "Well, okay, so he just didn't do the paperwork." Well, typically you sign after you make a policy announcement. Like you don't you don't wait on something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Almost so Almost like a
1: trial balloon like seeing if there's going to be fervor over the, the, the inaction.
2: Right, right. I mean, that's
1: what it seems like to me.
2: Right, and so there was this outpouring of criticism from people in the party, more progressive people in the party. Sure. And
1: uh, that's. I, I'm sorry, that's an issue I, I took. with. I wrote that down. The guy was saying that the Democratic Party has moved substantially to the left. We elected Joe Biden. What's he talking? Yeah, there are more outspoken, famous... Uh, members of Congress who are progressives, who are, you know, a democratic socialist types, but that doesn't mean the party as a whole has moved to the left. Mm-hmm. If that was the case, Joe Biden wouldn't have been the, the nominee. Yeah. It would have been Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, but we got Joe Biden.
2: Yes. So uh, Senate majority whip Dick Durbin called it unacceptable. Um, Senator Bob Menendez said these refugees can wait years for their chance and go through extensive vetting. 35,000 are ready, facing the greatest refugee crisis in our time. There is no reason to limit the number to 15,000. Say it ain't so, President Joe. You had Ilhan Omar, uh, Representative Ilhan Omar who said, quote, as a refugee, I know finding a home is a matter of life or death for children around the world. It is shameful that POTUS is reneging on a key promise to welcome refugees. Criticism continued again.
1: It's also, listen, just from the basest of levels, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. And that is what we're doing if we're keeping our immigration policy in lockstep with what Donald Trump was doing. Right. You can't criticize Donald Trump for his draconian, racist, white supremacist immigration policies. And then crickets are signaling when Joe Biden's doing the same goddamn thing.
2: Yeah. So after the criticism, they the White House made an announcement. And we are going to toss it to Yamiche Alcindor, who goes a little bit deeper on this issue.
10: Today saw the Biden administration giving mixed messages on whether it would leave historically low caps on refugees put in place by former President Trump. Al Alcindor has more.
5: President Biden walked back an earlier promise to raise the cap on the number of refugees allowed into the United States. I'm joined now by Jenny Yang. She is the vice president of advocacy and policy at World Relief, a humanitarian nonprofit. Jenny Yang, thanks so much for joining us. Just walk us through what happened today with these twists and turns on the refugee cap.
9: Well, earlier today, the president signed a presidential determination that basically kept the low refugee cap of 15,000 for the U.S. Refugee Emissions Program. And this is a number that was previously set by President Trump but which President Biden himself decided to keep. Now, the one change he did make was to revise the program to expand the categories through which refugees are actually eligible to come in through the program. But the fact that he kept the refugee ceiling at the historically low level of 15,000 is very, very concerning, because it does mean that refugees will continue to be excluded from the program, even though many of them have been waiting many, many years to come in. Now, the White House just recently um, Issued a statement saying that 15,000 is not the final number for this fiscal year. Uh, But it's very, very concerning because the president himself said that he would actually raise the refugee ceiling to 62,500, and we're still waiting for him to follow through on that commitment.
5: Talk about the impact this has on the lives of migrants who are waiting to try to come to the United States as refugees.
9: Well, refugees is a very small subset of the larger immigrant population and that you have to have a well-founded fear of persecution on the account of your race, religion, nationality, membership in a particular social group, or political opinion. And once you meet that definition, you're referred to the U.S. Refugee Missions Program. And at a time when we're facing the world's worst refugee crisis, the U.S. resettles less than half of 1% of the world's refugees, which means that this very narrow lifeline of protection needs to be not only preserved, but expanded to really help those individuals who cannot go home or locally integrate. Historically, the United States has had a refugee ceiling on average of 95,000 refugees per year. So the fact that the refugee ceiling is 15,000 means that it's not only the lowest number ever set in the history of the U.S. Refugee Admissions Programme, But it effectively shuts out many deserving refugees from being able to be reunited with their loved ones in the United States. Um, And just as an example, uh, one of our staff members, Bazuze, is from the Democratic Republic of Congo. And he was resettled several years ago, but his brother has been waiting for his wife to be reunited with him. And she was on a flight to come to the United States. So she sold all of her belongings and was waiting to board a flight when the flight was canceled because the president didn't sign the necessary paperwork to revise the ceiling. And so she actually had to go back into the refugee camp where she is right now. And we still don't know yet if she'll be rebooked to come to the United States.
5: And lastly, we, with only a, the few seconds we have left here, the Biden administration was saying that this had to be kept lower because of the surge at the border. What do you make of that argument?
9: That is not a, a good reasoning, because the Refugee re- Emissions Program is run by the State Department. They have a completely different funding stream, and agencies like World Relief and other resettlement agencies are prepared and necessary to actually welcome refugees. The issue at hand is not capacity or resources. It's ultimately a matter of political will and the courage to actually uh, up the refugee ceiling to actually help those who really have nowhere else to go.
5: Thank you so much for joining us, Jenny Yang of World Relief. Thank you so much for having me. So the,
2: the tough thing for Joe Biden right now is who is he trying to please? Yeah. And that is really the struggle. I mean, when the White House issued the statement on Friday that there was some confusion <laughs> regarding um, all of this, it's like, yeah, because I don't think you guys even know really what you want to do here. Because, right, right. I mean, what, what does he need to do? He needs to satisfy his base. But he doesn't want to alienate centrist voters either.
1: So, Well, what they need to do is stop uh, approaching this with a political calculus. They they need to do the right thing here. Yeah. Do what's right and what's moral. Again, to not fall on the wrong side of history. And improve the lives of these desperate people. Stop looking at this as a political football and just do the right fucking thing, Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. Do the right thing. Yeah we've spent 4 years slowly ticking down the number of both uh refugee populations that we allowed in and even legal immigration numbers were squelched to historic lows and to not have a plan from the moment you get elected and there's a transition that starts although obviously uh, Joe Biden didn't didn't enjoy a normal transition period um The only people we have to blame are Joe Biden for that. He should have had a a cohesive and um, comprehensible and understandable immigration policy coming in. And to be almost 100 days in, and this is where we are, ah, not acceptable. But it's good, like I said at the top of the show, it is good that he is feeling the pressure and caving to the pressure to do the right thing. It means he's not overly recalcitrant relative to bad decisions. He's willing to take his lumps, move ahead, doing the right thing, moving from bad decision to good. That's a good thing.
2: Yeah, I I, I just read a number that is confusing for me. And I'm wondering if you could give me some insight into what you think is happening here.
1: If it's, oh, if it's a single digit number, I got you. Anything bigger than, anyway, go ahead.
2: <laughs> First of all, less than a quarter of adults uh, approve of his handling of immigration at the southern border. The share of Democrats who view illegal immigration as a major problem has spiked from 15% to 29% <sighs> in the last year, according to Pew Research Center.
1: Yeah, that's, that's sheer partisanship. That's what that is. It, it was well, under Trump. Immigration, illegal immigration wasn't a problem. Trump's just making this a big deal. And now that Joe Biden has the football, all of a sudden, oh, yeah, it is a problem. It's it's not. It's the same. Hmm. We need to handle it and deal with it on the face value of the issue itself, not because of whoever's in the White House. Yeah. It's, listen, I don't know that Democrats are less prone— Then Republicans to, like, for instance, the Russia issue. Republicans hated Russia until Donald Trump started signaling that he loved Putin. And then there was a stark shift in support for Russia. Yeah. From Republicans. We don't want to be the party that does that. We need to have our morals intact, our policy uh, priorities in line. Whether, whoever's in the White House, Mm -hmm. because doing the right thing for the right, for the right thing's sake is what's important. Yeah. Ah, Keep our heads about us. Anyway, I don't know if that answers. I don't know. I I don't know the answer to that. Mm. One more thing I don't know the answer to. (laughs) Anyway, we would love your feedback on all of these topics, any of these topics and any others that you'd like to bring to bear 657-464-7609. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at Dalamore.com. I'll say the number one more time less fast six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine I doubt it at dalamore dot com. I don't believe we have anything else, Britie Page. We do not. If you would like to support the show, we'd encourage you to do so. You can go to teamdollimore.com. That'll reroute you to Patreon. Or if you like to type in the Patreon address, it's patreon.com <laughs> slash I Doubt it podcast.
2: Some people just love to type it in.
1: For as little as $2 a month, you can help support the show, helping us move the conversation forward on an episode-by-episode basis. We love all of you for helping support, helping produce this content. We love you. We'll see you next time. Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dallamore, and this has been I Doubt.